Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Star Wars 7x7, episode 899. So in a very prominent list of the greatest villains in American cinema, Darth Vader ranks in the number three position. And my question to you is, does he deserve that ranking? And does Rogue One change your opinion of it? Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And in 1998, the American Film Institute started off a series called 100 Years, which was meant to celebrate the first 100 years of American cinema. And they came up with all of these different lists that they released one year after the other, after the other, after the other. And the list in question that we're talking about today is 100 Heroes and Villains. It was released in 2003, and the list was split up into 50 greatest heroes and 50 greatest villains. Now, Han Solo appears at the number 14 position on the heroes list, and Obi-Wan Kenobi appears at the number 37 position on the heroes list, so it's nice to see Star Wars well represented there. On the villain's side, there's only one Star Wars villain on there, and that would be Darth Vader. And for what it's worth, I don't think the prequel trilogy actually fell within the time frame that was being looked at by the AFI to create this list. So Darth Vader, at number three on the villains list, he is bested only by Hannibal Lecter in the number one spot and Norman Bates in the number two spot. Of course, Darth Vader is an absolute cinematic icon, utterly compelling from the moment he walks on screen. He's dangerous, unpredictable, remorseless, and he'll change the terms of a deal on you at a whim and you'll just have to deal with it or die, basically. But when you get down to it, what did Vader actually do on screen? Like, for example, both Hannibal Lecter and Norman Bates are serial killers. They have multiple murders under their belt. So you know that they have their own bit of danger that they can dish out. As for Darth Vader, okay, so he kills Captain Antilles and he kills Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then he shoots down about half a dozen rebel pilots as well. But he doesn't shoot down the one pilot who blows up the Death Star and nearly two million Imperials. And even the Emperor busts his chops over this in the new comic series. She pretty much calls him a failure and blames the whole Death Star debacle on him. So yeah, not doing that great. And in The Empire Strikes Back, he only kills two people. In this one, he kills Captain Nita and he kills Admiral Ozzel. And of course, he cuts off his son's hand. But yeah, this is also a war, you know? It's not Hannibal Lecter killing people at random. It's not Norman Bates killing people at random or anything like that. This is kind of what you expect from wars. Shouldn't be all that surprising. Torturing a few people, not all that surprising. Changing a deal or two, not all that surprising either. But ultimately, you could really make the case that the vote of Vader in the number three position is really a vote of style over substance. And in case you're wondering who's tugging on Vader's cape in 4th and 5th place, that would be the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz and Nurse Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Now, let me be clear. I think Vader should be 
I mean, maybe he should be number one. I mean, I'm willing to give Hannibal Lecter the number one spot. Norman Bates, feh, he can go away. Wicked Witch, yeah, iconic too, I guess, but eh, you know? And same with Nurse Ratched, eh, all right? So Vader and Hannibal, one, two, and I could easily give Vader the number one spot on a good day. Yeah, no problem. But does he really earn it? That's the key. And I don't feel like he does until, until Rogue One. And now is the point where I give you the obligatory spoiler warning. I've been checking out Star Wars groups and seeing people saying in some places that they're not even going to see it until around Christmas. So I think I might keep spoiler warnings going until Christmas. Not that we won't talk about spoiler stuff, but I will not proceed every single conversation about Rogue One with a spoiler warning after Christmas, say. Anyway, long way around of saying that if you are still listening to this podcast and you want to avoid the spoiler, then you need to shut it off right now, whether you're folding laundry at the gym, on the road, what have you. Stop this now. I think I've given you enough time. And for everybody else who is into talking about it, whether you've seen the movie or not, then let's get to it. First of all, let me venture forth with a potentially unpopular opinion, which is, I think that first Vader scene was unnecessary, or at least part of it was unnecessary. And here's my whole deal about it. All right, the Bakta tank thing, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm okay with that. No problem. The part I'm having an issue with is the fact that Krennic has to come all the way across the galaxy to Mustafar to meet with Vader for, what, two minutes? I mean, Vader could have been in the Bakta tank and his minion could have come up and said, Excuse me, my lord, but Dr. Krennic is on Skype for you. And he could have gone into his meditation chamber or another meditation chamber like the one he has on the Super Star Destroyer in The Empire Strikes Back. And how excited would we have all been to see another meditation chamber? Like, that would have been great. I guess the question is, is if Director Krennic had called from wherever he was in the galaxy after leaving Edu, if Vader could have force-choked him from that far away. And maybe not. Maybe Vader's whole intent was that he wanted to give the guy a force-choke to begin with. Like, it didn't matter how this meeting was going to go. He was still going to give his windpipe a tweak no matter what. But yeah, the point of that whole meeting, which was Vader telling Krennic that Krennic had to make sure Galen Erso has done nothing to jeopardize the Death Star project, yeah, that could have all handled via intergalactic Skype. So, yeah. The scene that he's in at the end of the movie is another matter entirely. And even though the right side of my brain wants Vader to be at the top of that villain's list or possibly exchanging places with Hannibal Lecter day-to-day, and the left side of my brain is saying, well, what about this and what about that and what about the other? Well, that scene at the end of Rogue One finally reconciles the left side of my brain and the right side of my brain and says, hey, Hannibal Lecter, watch out because somebody's gunning for the number one spot. This finally is the on-screen Darth Vader that we have been waiting for. And yes, you could tell me that we sort of got it already with Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. Doesn't really count because he wasn't in the Darth Vader suit. You know what I mean. You know what I mean when I'm saying that. And I'll tell you, this scene had to happen. The moment that we found out that Vader was going to be in this movie, you knew that something like this had to happen. It's like that old saw about you can't show a gun in Act 1 and not have it go off in Act 3. Same kind of thing. You can't show Vader in a movie without having him pop that lightsaber and start wreaking havoc. And wreak havoc he did. You know what? Strangely enough, I've only seen the movie three times, and I haven't stopped to count the number of people that he killed in that corridor, so I think it's around six or eight, okay? Somewhere in there. But 
he lays utter and complete waste. And I'll tell you, not only was that scene horrific, but I know how it turns out. Like, I know that the plans are going to get away. I actually had genuine fear in that scene that he was going to get the plans and there was going to be some other twist where they managed to get the plans away. Like, I was actually going, oh my god, he's going to get those plans. So for me, like, I mean, I've seen it three times now and it's still just as horrifying and it still gives me that, oh my gosh, are they or are they not going to get away with the plans? Like, I still have that visceral reaction. And so... There you go. Vader, for me, finally is getting his due. I finally think that there is absolutely no argument about him being the most iconic screen villain of all time, or maybe Hannibal Lecter, but yeah. <laughs> Vader absolutely not getting dislodged whatsoever. And I'd love to hear your opinion about this, too. Share it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash SW7X7, or tweet it out to me at SW7X7 Podcast. Did you think Vader deserved a number three ranking just in general before Rogue One ever came out, before the prequels ever came out even? And do you think that your opinion of Vader as a bad, bad man has changed because of Rogue One? Share them there or at the comments of the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com. All right, I've got a trivia question for you after a quick break, so stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story, too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles. Anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com slash SW7X7. Welcome back. I've got trivia as promised. I fear nothing. Well, you shouldn't fear this because it's a lot less dangerous than what you pulled. Last time I asked you what Ray was desperately reaching across the cockpit to activate on the Falcon while trying to escape from TIE Fighters on Jakku, and that was the Shields. Today's question, when Ray and Finn were caught in the Aravana's tractor beam, Finn thought they were captured by someone or something else. What was it? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you challenge a Jedi holding the high ground, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a triple amputation, it's destiny unleashed. Podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.